Hey everybody, it's me Amanda with Once in a Wild and welcome back to Once in a Wild Wednesday where each and every Wednesday evening at 6.30 p.m. Central Standard Time, we bring the zoo to you virtually and live stream for free here at uh, on YouTube, on Facebook, and today on Instagram as well. We're actually simultaneously live streaming on Instagram with my phone right next to me. So without further ado, let's go ahead and <laughs> get started. Well, hello everybody, and I hope you've had a great and wonderful week, and we're happy to see you back. If this is your first time visiting Once in a Wild Wednesday, welcome. My name is Amanda, and I'm the founder and animal specialist and owner of Once in a Wild, which is our mobile zoo. We are located in South Texas, specifically in San Antonio, Texas, and we can bring the zoo to your classroom, to your birthday party, to your nursing home. If you happen to need uh, animal therapy or something like that, um, we can bring animals to your office. We can bring animals anywhere that can uh, be supplemented in a positive way with our amazing, amazing animal ambassadors. And what we do is kind of special, right? So um, a little bit about my history, if this is the first time you're meeting me, I have been an uh, animal expert, if you will. That's kind of a strange title. Animal specialist, zookeeper, veterinary technician, um, pet sitter, animal trainer, all sorts of things. Lots and lots of jobs with animals. And I do have a zoology degree as well, as well as an additional degree too. But um, my history is basically I've been a zookeeper. I've been working with animals for a long, long time and a total of around 19 years now professionally with all sorts of different type of exotic animals. And long story short, all the way down to now <laughs> is uh, about a year and a half to two years ago, we actually opened up our own mobile zoo right here in San Antonio, which is my hometown. So without uh, forgetting, I want to make sure and cover a few things before I forget, like I usually do. So we are a mobile zoo that relies on your uh, purchases, your donation to keep us going. So this live stream that we present to you each and every Wednesday evening at 6.30 p.m. Central is free. So we're not going to charge you guys for coming into the live stream, whether it be on Instagram today or on Facebook or YouTube. Um, but we do appreciate any donations that you can possibly give, including uh, via Venmo, Cash App, PayPal. You can also donate uh, via uh, uh, Amazon wishlist. That's that's what it is. There's an Amazon wishlist on our website, which is onceinawild.com. Um, you can always find that in our bio or in our description down below. Onceinawild.com, very easy to remember. I know on Instagram, we're once in a wild zoo, so it's a little bit confusing, but we actually have the domain onceinawildzoo.com too. So <laughs> either onceinawild.com or onceinawildzoo.com and you'll find us. And down and on the bottom of the homepage, you can actually find an Amazon wish list with a whole bunch of pre-selected animal items that you can actually donate straight to our door, which is fantastic as well. And a really great way to also uh, support what we do and support our animals and take care of them is by purchasing your own animal encounters. That's what we provide. So we can uh, bring animals to classrooms, we can bring animals to your home for a birthday party, for example, or anything at all, animal therapy as well. And we can also bring animals to almost anywhere that allows animal visits. <laughs> so you let us know if you're interested in in-person animal visit in the San Antonio, Texas and surrounding cities area, and we can hook you up. Or you can also actually um, organize your own virtual animal experience as well. Uh, we do operate through Zoom and we bring about eight animals per hour on a Zoom and you can actually have whatever animals you would like out of our animal availability list. And we have so many animals that we do take care of here at Once in a Wild. And that is what we do in a nutshell. But my history is many, many years of working with animals and then deciding to open up my own animal company. So yes, I do own the company. 
I do uh, take care of the animals. I do train the animals. Hello, Ricardo. He's saying hello over here on Facebook. And uh, Ricardo says uh, he's just shared, I guess, the live stream, excuse me, <clears throat> clear my throat. Um, everyone share the live stream. Yes, and you can share our videos, share the live stream on Instagram or Facebook or YouTube. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel. That helps us out quite a bit. That's a free way to help us out, right? So there's a few free ways to help us too, not just donations. And I know it's kind of silly to be begging for your donations, but I just want to make sure that you guys know and are aware of your options to help us out because we do rely on your donations and your purchases to keep our animals fed and taken care of. So speaking of keeping our animals fed and taken care of, I thought I would talk about kind of like the, um, maybe like the day-to-day, -day, hi Samantha, the day-to-day -day of our um, kind of uh, routine that we have here at Once in a Wild. Once in a Wild is our company name, but we actually have a home-based zoo. That means we live with our animals. That's right, our animals live here with us. And how many animals do we have? I get that question all the time. I don't know how many animals we have. You might think that that's a really bad answer <laughs> and that's a really irresponsible answer, but we have over 75 animal ambassadors. The reason that I say over is because we have Madagascar hissing cockroaches that constantly have babies all the time. <laughs> so when I say I don't know, it's because I haven't counted all those babies on a daily basis and they have constantly like broods of babies and they have a lot of them. So don't judge me too harshly. It's because of our roaches for the most part. And a lot of our animals are smaller. Again, we are home based, so we don't have any tigers or uh, uh, elephants or giraffe or anything like that. We don't even have horses or anything like that. We live in kind of a regular household and our animals are for the most part pretty handheld, smaller travel and you know, regular sized cars and everything like that. In fact, when I arrive to facilities and to people's homes and et cetera, schools, a lot of times are people are pretty surprised that we have such a smaller vehicle that I can bring out these animals. But most of our animals are pretty packable. <laughs> uh, they travel very well and they're smaller. However, we are planning in the future to increase our size of our facility meaning our home or land and things like that. But without uh, donations and purchases, we're never gonna be able to do that, right? So, or unless we have like a benefactor or something like that, or a great big donation to help us out. But that is something that we have a long-term goal. And we also have another long-term goal, which I get questions about all the time now that COVID is dwindling and people are getting back out there and doing fun things. A lot of people ask me if we have a facility where people can actually visit. And that is another kind of shortish, longish, medium, term goal that we would love to have people out for uh, tours and just tour our facility and see where the animals live. So speaking of that, like I thought I would just kind of talk about what we do on a day-to-day -day basis because I do get a lot of questions regarding how do I take care of all the animals and how um, do I keep them fed and all the things. Well, we do have a routine and it is quite detailed and everything like that. And I can't go over every detail, right? Um, that would just be impossible to list out without going on for 10 hours. <laughs> um, but our animal husbandry schedule is kind of our day-to-day, -day, how we take care of the animal. Now taking care of the animals and husbandry, husbandry just means animal care. It doesn't mean I'm marrying the animals. <laughs> uh, but animal husbandry is just part of what a zookeeper, a zoo owner, uh, animal specialist, whatever you wanna call me, um, that's just part of what we do, but it is a day-to-day -day thing that either I or one of our staff members actually takes care of. We do have two other animal keepers here at Once in a While that take care of our animal. And there are two different um, shifts, if you will. There's an AM shift and then there's a PM shift. So morning and 
evening. But in between all those things and at the same time, there's animal programs to do, which is usually my responsibility at this point. We will be passing that off to our keepers as well uh, soon. Um, but doing animal programs, so doing all the all the shows, <laughs> all the, the presentations, the animal therapy sessions, all the things, uh, calling customers, doing sales, uh, making sure we have enough photos to put on social media, making sure to write our social media calendar, to get all that out for you guys to see and read. Um, like I said, a following up with customers, sales in general is what we call that. And then just, you know, all the day-to-day -day things that I have to do, like getting on the computer and doing the fun things like sending invoices and uh, responding to emails and calling customers back again and all the things. So that's not the only thing that we do is just husbandry. You guys probably know that. Being a business owner of any type entails a lot of things. So. But I thought I would talk about some of the things that specifically happen at once in a while. And I thought you guys might be interested in hearing about that. So let me see who's saying hello. So far on Instagram, I have a few people. Hello. Ricky says, awesome, live animals. Yes, we will be having some live animals on the show. Don't worry. Um, we're not just going to be chatting today. I usually do bring animals on the live stream, as you guys know, that have watched us before. But if this is your first time viewing us, or maybe you're not familiar, we typically do bring our live animals on the show as well and we do of course bring the zoo to you with live real live animals um to all of our presentations as well that's what we specialize in and we have to take care of all those animals don't we hello hello thank you so much for joining us here on instagram i don't typically um stream on instagram anymore because it's been a little bit of a juggle but we're gonna try it today because i figured i would include our instagram family today so bear with me while i read through Yes, uh, Leoness and Camille are our keepers. Uh, Ricky is saying shout out to them. They have been a huge, huge help. I don't know if they're gonna be watching tonight or if they're gonna even see this tonight, um, but they are new keepers. And I'm, I promise you that you will actually get to meet them soon on the live stream or in some fashion on social media. Maybe we'll do Instagram or something like that with them so you guys can meet them. That would be a lot of fun. Okay, so I'm just gonna get started talking about um, our day today, but I thought I would introduce you guys to one of our animals first. So here at Once in a Wild, if you're not familiar with us, we do have all sorts of animals. As I mentioned, we have around 75 or so. And remember, I don't know how many because we do have bugs that keep making babies for us, which is fantastic because I know they're doing well. And uh, we always have Madagascar hissing cockroaches in the future <laughs> that can be animal ambassadors. And believe it or not, they make great animal ambassadors. But I didn't bring a roach or any sort of invertebrate today. We do have invertebrates. We have uh, birds, mammals, amphibians, like I said, invertebrates, we even have one fish, and then we have reptiles as well. So I thought I would just bring a very easygoing, sweet reptile today. And this is Prince the Python. I'm gonna make sure to angle him so everybody can see him at the same time. On Instagram, say hello. Over here on YouTube and Facebook, say hello, Prince. Prince is a ball python and he's a pastave colored and morphed ball python, which is a special color that comes in human care only. And in the wild, they're darker and they still have the same pattern. Prince is a very sweet python. Believe it or not, he is an animal therapy animal. A lot of people get over their fears of snakes by hanging out with Prince and getting to know him and seeing how sweet he is and how harmless he is. And we are huge advocates for reptiles, especially snakes here at Once in a Wild, because snakes get a lot of a bad reputation and a lot of hate, unfortunately. So we always want to give them a great reputation and let everybody know if you see a snake in your own backyard or your own of almost said facility, if your own facility, <laughs> if you have one, uh, your own uh, area, your own habitat, if you will, you're camping, walking down the road, uh, in your own backyard, wherever, your school, please don't pick them up. We don't pick up wild animals, especially snakes, 
and even any animal, honestly, especially any animal, because they could uh, try to defend themselves and we wanna make sure that they don't get harmed and that you don't get harmed as well. That is very, very important with wild animals, but Prince is a gentleman and he's used to humans and being held and everything else. And ball pythons are kind of known for being a very calm and easygoing type of snake to just hold and be around. So our first um, kind of day-to-day -day routine, now we have several animal areas, if you will, and most zoos have several animal areas, but we're a very different type of facility than a traditional zoo. Like I already mentioned, I think we're not as large. <laughs> so we're a small mobile zoo, but we do have a lot of animals to take care of. So we have to make it a routine um, of the day-to-day -day things to do so that we of course don't forget <laughs> to take care of everybody we have kind of a checklist and everybody gets trained on how how to do the checklist or how to do the day-to-day -day list um etc if you know what i'm trying to say but um we are a little bit different but we do have sections just like any zoo with different animals in in their collection if you will um has and our first section that i want to talk about is going to be our herps now herps is a strange word. <laughs> and if you've ever heard the word herpetologist, that means somebody that studies or is an expert in um, reptiles and amphibians. So when I say herps, that's just our general term for this section, if you will. And we have a room dedicated to our reptiles, our amphibians, our invertebrates, and actually our opossums, our Virginia opossums, Alice and Cooper, live in the herp room as well because they do just fine living in a nice quiet room. We can't keep our opossums in the other mammal room. Well, we have a couple of different mammal sections, if you will, but the other kind of mammal room, there's too many prey type animals. So we want to make sure that the opossums are not around those animals because they could potentially like eat one of our birds and things like that. So we keep our opossums safely contained away from um, any of those animals. And the reason it, it matters with the birds more than like the reptiles is that the birds fly around. <laughs> so the birds could accidentally like land on their enclosure and then accidents can happen. Even though the opossums are pretty slow, um, we don't want that to happen. So the opossums actually, we opted to just have them live in our reptile room and it works out very well because they're very quiet. They kind of keep to themselves. Our um, opossums are nocturnal and uh, they're very quiet. Opossums are fantastic animals. So our herps room includes the reptiles, amphibians, our fish actually, our bugs, our invertebrates, creepy crawlies, and our opossums. So all those animals are included in that routine on a day-to-day -day basis. I'm gonna turn my light up a little bit so you can see Prince a little bit better and see me maybe. Is that a little bit better? There we go. I'm so bright now. It's funny because our camera for um, <laughs> for YouTube and Facebook has totally different lighting than my phone over here on Instagram. I hope it looks okay. Um, but anyway, I think Prince looks handsome regardless. But that is what, um, what animals actually are in that room. So that's quite a big task and um, where we start first for our day. So you would think with all those animals that I just listed, because there are so many of them, the majority of our animals are actually in the herp room. <laughs> uh, so we have, like I said, snakes lizards um what else do we have in there we have our invertebrates we have our one fish which is the beta fish and our opossum so that's a lot of animals and i'm sure i'm forgetting some just to name a few um but so what we do in there every single day is we walk in <laughs> and we start turning on their lamps. So their lamps could be heat lamps or ultraviolet lamps that some of the animals need. Not every animal has lamps and not every animal uh, has 
uh, switches that need to be turned on and off. We do turn on our main switches, which is the, the switch for the room light, of course. The fan always stays on in there, in case you're wondering, because it's a little bit warm in there with all that heating. And it's a warm uh, place where we live in San Antonio, so I like to keep it nice and circulated and everything like that. And even some of the animals have their own fans as well. Our chameleons, a couple of our chameleons, our Jackson's chameleons, which are Sam and uh, Janet Jackson, <laughs> have fans. So when we come in in the morning, we're turning off their fans because their fans are on at night. We leave on the overhead fan and then we uh, turn on all the ultraviolet and heat bulb lamps, heat bulb lamps, heat lamps and ultraviolet lamps. And once we, once we make sure that all the lamps are on, then we go around and kind of check on all the animals. We check to make sure they all have water for the day, um, that they haven't like turned over their water, of course, so that does happen. They are living creatures and sometimes they make mistakes and turn their water over. Sometimes snakes and lizards like to get in their water bowl and maybe have a little soak. And sometimes they use the restroom in their water bowl as well, which is fantastic to find first thing in the morning, but that's part of it. We always make sure they have water and the water's clean. So if we need to dump the water and make and put new water in there, we do that. And then um, we, like I said, kind of check on all the animals to the best of our uh, ability with looking at them visually and uh, just kind of doing a quick visual check on everybody. And we just make sure everybody's good. Everybody's lamps are working. Everybody's heat pads are working, etc. So that everything looks normal and everything looks good. We feed our little fish. His name is Armani, he is a beta fish. He's not really a animal ambassador, but he, he is. <laughs> uh, he's a really cool little uh, beta fish. He's like mostly black with some red on him. We don't really have him like on the website or anything like that, but he's super cool. And we feed him in the morning and then we will go around and actually mist some of our animals. Not every single reptile and amphibian and uh, invertebrate gets misted every single day. Some of them get misted about three times a week. Those are gonna be mostly the arachnids that get misted that are more tropical species and things like that. And you can, um, I can, I can, I do <laughs> miss the, like the Madagascar hissing cockroaches about three times a week, etc. And there's lots and lots of extra things that we do throughout the week. But on a daily morning basis, when we come in in the AM after lamps are turned on and everybody looks good and everybody's got water, then we go around and mist everybody too. So the main ones that get misted very heavily are gonna be our chameleons. We have three chameleons currently and once in a while, we've got Janet, we've got Sam, and we've got Thanos. Thanos is our panther chameleon. And those guys have to have heavy, heavy misting every single day. So that's usually what we start with after lamps are on. And we will um, kind of give them a long shower up to five minutes or so, maybe even longer sometimes, depending on what's going on. Maybe it's a dry day and they need a little bit more humidity. They are supposed to have very high humidity. And chameleons are actually supposed to get showers um, with water right in their face. <laughs> that sounds a little bit weird, um, but chameleons need to wash their eyes on a daily basis. If they get something in their eye, they can't see very well and chameleons don't have ears. I don't know if you guys know that, but chameleons like snakes actually, wow, um, do not really have ears and they don't really rely on their hearing, do they? So instead of listening around, they have to be very visual. Snakes are actually smell based. They see as well, but their eyes are very well protected by a clear scale, which is over their eye called a spectacle scale. And snakes don't really have to worry about rinsing their eyes on a daily basis. Although keeping clean and having a regular shed cycle is really, really important to them too. But for our chameleons especially, it's important for them to get a nice heavy shower each and every day, twice a day, but we start in the morning, right? And they're the ones that we kind of start with. And then we go around and mist all the other kind of tropical or grassland or kind of forested animals that appreciate a good misting or humidity. And some get misted longer than others. Some get misted shorter than others. Um, and all the details are, are, of course, written down for us. 
so that I remember. Or once we're trained, then we just do it. Obviously, I've been doing this a long time, uh, so I don't really need to refer to the list anymore. But we do have certain protocols for each animal getting misted. Is that something you ever thought about the zookeeper doing? Maybe not. <laughs> uh, maybe you're learning today. Samantha says, love the show. Thank you so much. Uh, oh, Ricky's giving away some secrets that we're not going to announce yet. Oh, uh, I'm trying to read your, your handle. The Instagram handles, I have to remember to uh, that they're not actually names. But somebody says, a snake fire loves snakes. So you love snakes. That's really nice. And Prince, the python, yes, and animals, yes. So yeah, so we go around and mist all of our animals. Um, the ball pythons are one of the animals that has to be misted twice a day as well. They do very well with a little bit more humidity. And then there's lots and lots of other animals that need misting as well. So not all of them do, but most of them do. And so once we're done misting and making sure everybody has water, lamps are already on, right? Everybody looks good. Then we proceed to, I believe the next step is gonna be to take care of our opossum because our opossums live in there, right? Like I mentioned, they're actually in an enclosure all to themselves in the center of the room. And opossums are a lot messier than most reptiles. There's a few exceptions, but they're mammals, right? <laughs> so we do have to take care of them by cleaning up after them. They do use a litter box, so we have to scoop their litter box. We do have to clean up the, the shelves of their cage. They're kind of in like a like a, a, a similar enclosure to like a ferret or something like that. So they have a bunch of levels to climb and everything like that. If they've made a huge mess and um, maybe destroyed some of their enrichment items that we gave them, then we'll clean those up or we'll remove them and replace them. Let me think. Um, of course, we change their water and we scrub their bowl. Um, opossums get fed in the evening for the most of their diet. They do get snacks sometimes during the day too and for training as well. But the majority of their diet is fed in the evening. So that's gonna be left over from the night before. And then we clean it <laughs> uh, by soaking their bowl and scrubbing their bowl and making sure the bowl is disinfected as well. If you're ever curious what is a safe disinfectant to use around animals, most animals, is gonna be chlorhexidine. Chlorhexidine is highly recommended by me. It is a disinfectant that you can actually dilute and uh, put into a spray bottle and use it to safely disinfect most animals. It's actually safe enough to be around birds when diluted. Um, I don't recommend using it straight on fish or straight on amphibians or invertebrates ever. Um, but you can actually disinfect their items separate from the animals with chlorhexidine just fine and then rinse it off if you want to be extra safe. But a disinfectant that's actually safe around birds says a lot. Um, and that is what we use here once in a while for disinfecting most of the time. So just a little fun, little tip for you guys uh, that have animals at home. And it's certainly safe around reptiles as well. Amphibians, fish, Invertebrates are a little bit more sensitive and birds usually, but chlorhex is actually good around birds too. So that's what we use to disinfect our um, opossum habitat <laughs> and clean it as well. And uh, that works out really well. So we're, we're scooping their litter box. You know, you know what happens in a litter box. So we scoop that out. <laughs> we replace the litter if needed. And uh, we, of course, wipe anything that's gross. <laughs> Opossums are pretty clean animals in general, but they can have their gross days. And then replace any of their enrichment, which can be like paper or toys or maybe even stuffed animals, blankets. If they need their, their blankets replaced, we that as well, of course. And whatever they need. So we're doing the, most of their cleaning and husbandry um, at that point, after we're done with the, all the reptiles, amphibians, and creepy crawlies that we have in there and feeding our fish and all of that.
that would be the next thing we do. Um, and then we make sure the opossums have water. I usually give them a little bit of a snack in the morning as well if they're awake, but opossums are primarily nocturnal. So they're usually not gonna be really awake and wanting food yet. But if they pop their little heads out and they wanna say hello and they're being super cute and asking for snacks, then I'll usually give them some, maybe some kibbles or some fruit in the morning. And uh, if they feel like having a training session at that point, maybe I'll hold Alice or Cooper and uh, they'll get a little snack and then that'll be it. And then I'm trying to remember if there's anything else that I've forgotten. I'm gonna pull up my list really quick to make sure. Cause I know you guys are so interested in what we do on a day-to-day -day basis. If you're just joining us, we're actually talking about our daily routine of husbandry for our animals here at our little zoo that we live in. <laughs> so yeah, so that I think that I covered everything that's kind of the basic routine. Now, of course, um, if we have extra time and things like that, there's always extra projects to do. We could be disinfecting all the reptile bowls. We could be feeding certain animals that get fed on that day. Um, not all reptiles and cold-blooded animals in general are gonna like eat every day. <laughs> in fact, they don't eat every day. So um, we don't we won't necessarily be feeding as a routine of their day-to-day, -day, um, but that would be like an extra thing to do. And I usually handle that at this point. Like if our snakes need to be fed in the evening, I'll, I'll get all the rodents ready and feed them when they're ready to be fed. Prince is like, when is that gonna happen? I want a snack. Um, so Prince would eat like a rat, <laughs> for example, and some of our other snakes eat rats and mice and all sorts of things. And, uh, but that would be like more of like an extra thing. So that's really concludes our uh, reptile room or herp room, which also includes amphibians, creepy crawlies, and opossums currently. <laughs> that's kind of fun. Okay, so with that being said, I'm gonna go ahead and let Prince go back and rest. You guys can say, Goodbye to Prince for now. I promise you he'll be on another program very, very soon. Look how beautiful he is. Ball pythons are wonderful, beautiful snakes found in Africa. And they are quite commonly seen in the pet trade as well as in zoos as animal ambassadors. And even in reptile houses on display as well. I've seen them on display many, many times in different facilities. And rightly so, they're pretty easy to take care of. They're not my uh, first recommendation for a pet snake. My first recommendation for a pet snake is, well, I'd probably recommend about five before a ball python, just because ball pythons do sometimes have health issues. They're great and wonderful personalities um, and very safe to handle for a beginner. And they don't get too, too big. They're like kind of a smaller python species. Um, especially when it comes to other pythons by comparison, but they are, um, oftentimes they can get upper respiratory infections sometimes when not properly uh, given proper heat and humidity and things, that's why we miss them, for example. But also they have uh, picky eating problems. They can be a little bit hard to feed sometimes and they can get other issues like shedding issues and all sorts of stuff. So it's not really my first recommendation personally to each his own and you may have a different opinion or you herpetologists and animal lovers out there that love snakes, you might be recommending ball pythons for everybody that you meet. But I personally don't just because of their uh, few issues that they can have health wise and they do definitely need to have a vet on hand <laughs> in case you have any of those issues. Um, luckily, we have very healthy ball pythons, so we haven't really had that problem. But I've also been working with snakes for a long, long time, so I know what I'm doing and I know what to look for. So but if you're a beginner getting your first snake, I don't really recommend ball pythons, but I do recommend corn snakes, rat snakes, king snakes and so many others that are a lot healthier in human care in general. But he's a wonderful animal and very healthy and he's great. So I can't complain about Prince. He is wonderful. So we're going to let him go back and rest while I explain to you kind of the next step in our day to day. OK, so Prince is. Um, safely resting over there in his travel box. <laughs> I'm gonna check on our, see if you guys have any questions. 
and I hope you guys are enjoying so far. So today we're doing something a little bit different. If you're just joining us, we're actually streaming over on Instagram today. I thought I would invite our Instagram family over to watch us and we will um, of course make sure and save the video once it's done, uh, hopefully. <laughs> and uh, we always save the video on YouTube and Facebook for you guys to watch again if you wanna, if you didn't catch the beginning or you just wanna watch it again and again, you're welcome to do that. Thank you for saying Prince is gorgeous. That's so nice. Ali says, bye, Prince. You're gorgeous. Out of curiosity, Ali asks, um, do you know what morph Prince is? Yes, Prince is actually a captive bred um, ball python. And I actually got him from a breeder. And he's from, uh, he's from, <laughs> I got him from Dallas. Uh, but he is actually a pastave ball python, which is a Mojave and a pastel mixed together. And that makes a pastave. And pastaves are basically just a lot lighter and more yellow than a wild type ball python. Wild type ball pythons for the most part have the same pattern as Prince. Um, he's just a lot lighter. So that that just kind of, but there's a um, a ton of ball python morphs as you probably know, since you asked Allie. Um, and uh, he is, I think he's like one of the prettiest pastaways I've ever seen. When when I got him, he was like super like neon yellow. And I like him even better now that he's grown up, which ball pythons tend to kind of change their color a little bit as they grow but he is a pastave and he is Prince, the pastave python. <laughs> I'm gonna get me a little drink. By the way, we do have our stickers on our website if you would like to uh, purchase one. They are our once in a wild stickers. Oh, Instagram, it's backwards, but you can probably see it's the same as our logo. You see the beautiful sticker? You can put it on your Yeti at home as well. And we also have our axolotl stickers too. That's on the other side of my Yeti. You can see the axolotl sticker of on Instagram as well. And we have several other sticker options on our website if you guys would like to support us in a small way and you get something in return. Our stickers are super cute. 10 out of 10 would recommend and would use again. <laughs> so many morphs. I have a trio of boys. This is Allie talking again. So many morphs. I have a trio of boys all different. So tell me what morphs you have at home. Uh, we actually have two ball pythons. We had three and the other one is fine. He just doesn't live with us anymore. He's actually uh, my stepdaughter's snake and she was letting us borrow him for a while. <laughs> uh, but his name is Patches and he is a um, a piebald, just a normal and, and pied. Um, and then we have Prince the Pastave, which is Mojave and Pastel mixed together, as I just told you. And then we also have Princess, who's an ivory. And she's one of the prettiest ivories I've ever seen. She looks very, very white. She almost has no markings at all. Uh, ivories are not quite like the, the blue-eyed Lucy's that have like literally no markings at all. But ivories do have a little bit of, of like kind of gray on them. And she has a little bit of freckling and a little bit of gray on her head, but you can barely see it. So she looked like a pure white snake with dark, dark black eyes, which I love. So those are our two, Prince and Princess, <laughs> a pastave and an ivory. So our next section that we do on a day-to-day -day basis is gonna be our ferrets. The ferrets are kind of like their own little section for now anyway, until we get a bigger space and facility, uh, we might have um, a mammal building in the future where each mammal kind of has their own section that's safely separated from one another, right? Um, but for now, our ferrets actually live in a separate kind of bedroom situation in their enclosure, and they have a great big playpen. They can come out on a daily, daily, day-to-day -day basis when we clean them and so they can get exercise, of course. So that's their um, setup right now. And they're kind of on their own because if you don't know, ferrets are obligate carnivores and really good predators. <laughs> so they can definitely wreak havoc on other animals if they happen to escape. Heaven forbid, we've never had that happen, but 
you never know. So we want to make sure that everybody is super safe. So the birds and the mammals that are more prey type animals, and even the, the herps, the reptiles, amphibians, creepy crawlies, and obossums, um, those guys are also in a separate room with a closable door, everything. So everything's kind of secluded. So we always kind of make sure that our predators and our prey don't really hang out, right? <laughs> and that also goes for all the snakes and all the animals near each other. They all have their own enclosures with secure locks, and we do our very best. But the ferrets are kind of their own section. So they do have a great big giant playpen to play in. Uh, we give them all sorts of different enrichment and blankets. Um, you guys know what I'm talking about when I say enrichment, right? That means like something to do, <laughs> something fun to uh, keep their mind active, to keep their body active and keep them from getting bored. That's what enrichment is. So for your dog and cat, dogs and cats at home, that can be a toy. It can be a new treat or food. It can be anything that's fun. It can be playtime or training. Training is my favorite enrichment to give our animals. And uh, I think that's very, very um, stimulating and beneficial to your animals, right? So I highly recommend you guys, 10 out of 10 would recommend uh, animal training and enrichment for your animals at home too, just a side point. But um, the ferrets get all sorts of toys. They're very active animals. Well, when they're not sleeping or eating, right? <laughs> they're super active, wanna play with each other. We have two ferrets, Thor and Loki. And Thor and Loki have a ferret nation cage where they uh, spend most, I would say most of their time, but that's where they sleep, that's where they eat, that's where they hang out sometimes. And then they get their playpen for playtime or uh, in between cleaning and things like that. So in the morning, when we're done upstairs is where our herp room is. We come downstairs and take care of our ferrets. Put our ferrets, if they're not awake yet, we wake them up and say, good morning. <laughs> and then we put them in the playpen so they can play with all their enrichment and fun things. And uh, then we go over and clean their enclosure. So our ferrets are actually holistic or raw fed ferrets. So they actually eat raw meat um, instead of kibble. So their habitat is a little bit more messy uh, after they've eaten and things like that. So our ferrets get twice, they fed twice a day. So they have been fed the night before, right? So in the morning, there's going to be raw meat remnants and bones and all, all sorts of fun things. And of course, the ferrets have used the restroom. So there's two big levels. There's several levels of their enclosure, but there's two main like levels with doors, right? If you're familiar with the Ferret Nation cage, it has great big wide doors. So we open the wide doors on top take out the blankets and we maybe take out the bedding. If it's gross, then we'll wash them <laughs> in the washing machine, um, you know, for clothes, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, uh, or we'll replace them if they need replaced. But typically the top level isn't so bad. So we usually just kind of take everything out, check it, um, periodically, of course, change their bedding and blankets. But then we'll disinfect and spray the top level with the chlorhexidine that I talked about already. And we'll make sure it's nice and disinfected because they are raw, raw fed and they do get raw meat. So they might have taken a piece of meat to the upstairs section. But we make sure and disinfect it. Leave the disinfectant on for a while before wiping it clean. Then we proceed to the second level down, which is where their food level is, where their water bowl is, and where their litter box is. And we will kind of work. I've always been taught when cleaning anything at all, even with cleaning your house, start from the top, work bottom, <laughs> start from the top, work to the bottom, right? Because if you're cleaning and stuff falls down, then you can, does that make sense? So all you kids at home that are learning how to help your moms and dads clean at home, that's how you clean. Start from the top, work to the bottom. <laughs> uh, start from the cleanest, work to the dirtiest. So the dirtiest is the litter box on the bottom level, right? So we're starting from the top. That's done. Shut the doors. Open the doors. Uh, you're going to take out their dishes, which are their their food bowl, which is like a metal dog bowl, one of those non non tip bowls. You know what I'm talking about? Very very handy for most animals at home. And then we take them out, spray them down with disinfectant. Usually leave it in the sink for a little bit. Take out their water bowl, dump it. Spray it with disinfectant as well. You guys are gonna be able to work for us after this. <laughs> You're learning our whole routine. And then we let those sit for a while to get disinfected, of course. 
like I mentioned. I'm already losing my the moisture in my throat. <laughs> uh, but anyway, and then we proceed to clean all the levels that are remaining to be cleaned. Those get disinfected as well. And we scoop the litter box and that's that. And then everything can go back. Um, they can actually get their water bowl uh, put back into the enclosure uh, with new water, of course. And then we will go over to the kitchen and gather their raw meat. Now the ferrets that are fed raw meat should be fed a balanced raw meat diet. Either that means feeding them whole prey items every day. So things like things like um, rats, rabbits, quail, chickens, the whole animal every day, which is honestly very expensive and honestly not really obtainable for most people. So what most people do that have holistic or raw fed ferrets, we actually do um, feed them a balanced diet, which is basically uh, a diet chart that has been figured out by raw feeding ferret keepers, <laughs> not by me. I didn't actually come up with this. So I, I've actually uh, uh, learned how to do this once I had these guys, because in the past I've had kibble fed ferrets, which um, unfortunately ferrets that are uh, raised on kibble typically have a hard time transitioning to raw. But since the ferrets that we have are from a special breeder who already fed them and their parents raw, it was super easy to just keep them on raw, which is the best diet for them since they are obligate carnivores and they shouldn't have any sort of plants or carbs in their diet to be as healthy as we can be, right? So they get fed raw, so they get balanced meals. So we have to actually calculate what they eat and figure out on a day-to-day -day basis. And we have a chart to make sure um, what they're getting is enough and enough of this and enough of that. So I'll tell you what they get. In the morning, every single day, they get what we call bone in. Be nice out there. Bone in means that there's bone included in their meal. That helps them to have nice, hard stools, <laughs> which is really handy for people can cleaning up after them, right? So, but jo all joking aside, the ferrets need bone to keep their um, their poop nice and healthy. So that is actually how ferrets in the wild um, would regulate that. So ferrets in the wild eat whole prey, like whole mice, whole rats, whole rabbits, whole birds, <laughs> whole fish sometimes, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, because they're hunters and they're gonna be eating the whole animal most of the time. Ferrets are stashers and they usually will stash their food away underground or wherever they can in order to um, basically have food for later, right? So that will help them to use their brain to be able to eat food later and have food all the time because ferrets don't hibernate in the winter and they have to eat multiple times a day. So typically they're gonna hunt animals like rabbits or large rodents, etc., things like that, stash them away and eat on them all day, but they're eating the whole animal. So that means bone, that means tails, that means faces. <laughs> I'm not trying to be graphic here, but it's the truth. Uh, that means organs. That means all the things. So on a day-to-day -day basis in the morning, they get bone in, which means bone included in their meal. Typically, it's going to be chicken wing or uh, rodents of some kind, things like that with the bone in there. That helps them to be very healthy in their tummies, like I said, and not have loose stools. And then another thing they get um, in the evening periodically is going to be sometimes muscle meat. So that's just going to be muscle without the bone. And then also they're going to get hearts they're gonna get organs and we usually feed pancreas for the organ days. And they also get livers, <laughs> which is another organ, but that's a specific organ that they need for the, the uh, ingredients in liver. I'm trying to think if I'm forgetting anything, but uh, that is your main in a nutshell 
balanced raw diet for ferrets. You can't just feed them whatever. So if you have a ferret at home um, and you are feeding them kibble and you want to transition them to raw, that is very admirable. It's the right thing to do um, because that is the best diet for them. But you cannot just do it on your own without researching and you can't just give them whatever and hope that they're going to be healthy. They actually have to have the right amount and the right combination of things. So we have a big chart that we basically go by to make sure they're as healthy as can be. So I want to let you guys know that and whatnot. I'm not really sure what the um, Ali is asking. What does the pancreas supply them with? I can't remember what the pancreas actually gives. Maybe you guys can look it up for me um, while we're talking, but she's ask asking what the pancreas does. I know pancreas has a lot of good nutrients in it for carnivores and herbivores, not herbivores. <laughs> nope, not herbivores. I'm going to say omnivores. Carnivores and omnivores that eat other animals. Uh, the pancreas and other organs like that does have a lot of nutrients in it, but I can't remember exactly what it is. Oh, you're telling me the morphs of your pythons? Ali says, I have a blue-eyed leucistic, a super cinnamon pastel, and a banana cinnamon pastel spider. Oh, my goodness. That's pretty cool. All different, huh? And all male. Yes, but I can't remember what the, the pancreas does exactly. But I know they need it. Now, um, they can actually have other organs, too. Instead of pancreas, they can have things like uh, brain as well. <laughs> but I do know one thing, and it's a very interesting fact, is that gizzards from birds do not count as an organ for a ferret. So those are kind of what we give sometimes on, like, the, the muscle meat day. But we, um, once we're done cleaning, of course, we're going to bring our little bowl. That's our metal bowl so it doesn't get destroyed by them and it stays nice and clean and we can disinfect the metal bowl and everything like that, right? Uh, keeps it nice and easy. I think I'm frozen over on Facebook. Oh, no, I'm good. I'm back. Let me know if I'm frozen. <laughs> um, Facebook and YouTube, you let me know. Um, but uh, I think it was just a glitch. <laughs> and I know I'm good on Instagram. I see you guys. But uh, they I would basically take the bowl over to the kitchen where we have all of our raw meat for our ferrets. Kind of, um, I usually have it kind of sorted or what do you call it? Um, prepped, meal prepped for them. One moment. I have it meal prepped for those guys. And so it's super easy to just kind of put into their bowl. And then we give it to them in their enclosure. And then guess what? We shut the door and put the ferrets back in through the top door and they go and eat their breakfast, of course. So that's their uh, their routine as well. And they know exactly when that happens. Um, they know what their bowl looks like. They, of course, can smell it and everything else too. Um, but they know exactly when we put our food back, our food, their food back in the bowl for them. I say our, like we're all one family. <laughs> uh, we put the full food back in there. They're excited to get out and they they kind of climb the little the little enclosure, the the um, playpen uh, wall. They kind of climb up and they're like, put me back. And we put them back in and they're super excited for their food every single day. And they usually eat pretty well. Every now and then they'll leave some food, but they almost always eat it all. Um, and that's their routine. And then we go back over to the playpen. Sometimes they do have accidents in there. I mean, you know, they're animals. They don't have a litter box in their playpen. And some people have asked me why. It's because they would literally consider that to be a toy and probably dig up all the litter and make a huge mess. And it would be a lot more mess than them just having a little bit of a potty accident in the corner for me to clean up. The playpen hack that I learned for, since we have carpet in that room, unfortunately, um, the playpen hack that I've learned for their flooring is to take those um, those um, mats that go in offices for rolling chairs. They're like heavy, hard plastic. We have that as their flooring for their playpen. So it works out very, very well. We've attached their playpen to um, like uh, little tabs that we've made out of chloroplast. And they're like kind of like little L shapes to keep them attached to the bottom of the floor. It's been a long process to figure out how to keep these guys contained because they're super ferrets because they're raw fed, raw fed. 
Um, but these guys have their playpen attached to it with those kind of like make, made little brackets out of coroplast, which is like uh, corrugated plastic. And we just Velcroed it to the to the floor, which is a plastic flooring. Does that make sense? But that's what they have for a playpen. And usually we'll have to go back and clean it up. They certainly have played and made a huge mess just playing, if not peeing and pooping in there. So we have to make sure and, and take care of that as well once they're put back. So they're, they're not a huge task, but it is when you're first learning them and um, it's messy. So that's really it. But they're kind of like their own section. And then we typically proceed to our, what we call bird and mammal room, which has some of our mammals, but not all of our mammals. Like I just mentioned, the opossums are upstairs in the herp room. And then the, um, the ferrets are kind of their own thing, right? Because they're segregated and separated segregated. They're separated from the other animals for safety purposes, right? Um, to keep them out of trouble and mischief, uh, Thor and Loki. But uh, then we proceed usually to our bird and mammal room. And in there is where our cockatiels, our budgie, our doves, our rabbit Sandor, the Flemish giant rabbit that you guys all know and love, um, and our guinea pigs and our hedgehogs live. Um, and so all those animals have their own space, except for the rabbit actually has the entire room to warm, roam around, especially at night when he likes to kind of play. Um, rabbits are what we call crepuscular. So they are more active in the morning and the evening, and they need a lot of space. So we do give him free roam of everything. As long as we're not vacuuming or cleaning in there, he does get uh, the full space of the room, which is really nice for him. So that's who lives in there. So I thought I would bring you guys. Hmm one of the animals that lives in there. It's not the rabbit today. The rabbit is actually a little bit more of a challenge to bring onto the live stream. How am I doing on Instagram? Am I almost out of time? I hope not. If I am, I'll just start over again and we'll do two. Okay, but I thought I would bring one of our rodent friends, everybody's favorite guinea pig. He's saying hi, it's Icky the guinea pig. Can you guys see him? on both platforms, or all three platforms, I should say. Uh, this is Iggy, our Peruvian guinea pig. He does have fancy hair. He has very long hair and kind of needs a haircut right now. Uh, Peruvian guinea pigs do grow their hair continuously, so he does require trims. He also requires daily brushing, um, about weekly nail trims, and about a weekly bath as well, and a trim about once a month, more or less, depending on when he needs it. His hair does continuously grow like a human's hair, which is kind of fun. Um, but that is where our uh, guinea pigs live. And like I said, our hedgehogs, bunny, and our birds, our small birds. Um, not all of our birds live in there. Some of our birds actually live outdoors. And we're going to get to that section last. Uh, but for this section, we come in. And the first thing that I always do when I enter the room is actually put the rabbit away. <laughs> not because I don't love him, but because he loves me too much. <laughs> so he is very excited to see us in the morning. Sandor, the Flemish giant rabbit, is one of the friendliest rabbits I have ever met in my life. And uh, he is always very excited to see us in the morning. He hears the door opening and just starts uh, running around in circles and uh, he does what we call binkying, which is a happy rabbit maneuver where it looks like bucking of a horse. Super cute. And we know he's really excited to see us, but he will not leave us alone and he will trip us <laughs> if we don't put him away. So I basically just ask him to go into his um, uh, pen, which is attached to his, like where his litter box and everything is. It's hard to explain if you can't see it. And maybe I'll show you guys someday and we'll do a little tour. That would be fun. But um, I do kind of enclose him in that pen, which usually stays open, like I said, and just get him kind of out from under my feet <laughs> so I don't trip and fall. And he wouldn't mean to hurt me, but accidents happen, right? Let's hold Iggy like this so he's a little more comfortable. I know Iggy. He's like, where are the snacks? 
I heard that when animals work, they get snacks. Well, you had your snacks already in your carrier. So I'll just hold them like this. So we walk in, put the bunny away temporarily. And then um, I will usually get started. Sorry, guinea pig hair in my eyeball. I will usually get started with feeding our birds their breakfast. Now our um, citizen birds, which are our budgies, budgie, we have one budgie, and cockatiels, as well as our doves too, which are not citizens, right? They're not um, parrots, but uh, doves are um, passerines, but they also do benefit from this diet as well. So in the morning, all those birds actually get veggies in the morning. They get their, uh, what we call chop. Chop is like a slang term for teeny tiny chopped up vegetables for parrots and other birds that benefit from eating vegetables in the morning. So they get mixed vegetables in the morning that's been chopped up very fine for them to eat. They're very picky about eating it. So we chop it up very, very small. So where it looks like something really delicious for them. I can't explain the logic behind that, but that is how, that's what works the best for smaller birds like that. Uh, bigger birds can eat larger chopped veggies or chop, <laughs> uh, but it just kind of depends on your bird and what they like. But all of our birds are tiny in there. So uh, having tinier food makes sense. So we cut it up very, very fine and chopped very, very tiny. So that's what they get in the morning. They just get a little amount in the morning. Um, and then, uh, so I, I want to make sure they have enough time with their food because we actually don't free feed our birds here once in a while. We do train our birds. We want to make sure they're not too, too full and they're getting their food um, and not, uh, what I'm trying to say is they're not like overfed. <laughs> so they still want to like fly and exercise and train. Um, so that's how we feed our birds here. So we give them their vegetables and they get a while to eat their vegetables and typically do finish them or at least mostly finish them. But while they're eating, we can proceed to the rest of the routine, right? So then we go around. What do we do next, Ziggy? I can't remember. Um, we are going to, hmm, I can probably refer to my list here. Um, probably next, I would probably move on to the hedgehogs. So our hedgehogs, Laverne and Shirley, do live separately in two separate enclosures, safely away from each other. Hedgehogs, um, well, at least African hedgehogs are solitary and they don't really enjoy company of anyone or any other animal, which tells you something about hedgehogs and how they don't really make the best pets, in my opinion. Guinea pigs are actually a lot more social, so they do make pretty good pets for the right family. Oh, he's so sweet. Uh, but uh, hedgehogs prefer to live alone, so that's how they are kept. And we usually will check to make sure um, if they ran on their plastic wheel, which they have overnight to be able to exercise, because hedgehogs are nocturnal, strictly nocturnal, not crepuscular, nocturnal. Um, so they're going to be active at night only, and they're going to be running on their wheel all night getting lots of exercise. But when hedgehogs run on their wheel, they usually use the restroom on their wheel too. So typically we'll pull their wheels out, soak them, make sure they're clean, disinfect them, of course, and put them back when they're clean. And then we'll scoop out any any dirtiness in there, any poop and pee um, out of their box, out of their box while it's in their enclosure. And we'll also check their blankets. They do have blankets to sleep under during the day, super cute. But if those need changing, we'll change them. And we always change their water fully and give them new food as well. And they, those guys actually are kibble fed and hedgehogs do very, very well on a high protein cat kibble mixed with um, sometimes bugs and things like that. And that's how we feed them. And then um, once those guys are done, typically I'll move on. I'm trying to think what I do next. Typically I'll move on over to the guinea pigs like Iggy. Iggy does have three other guinea pig friends. Uh, there's Iggy, who's named after Iggy Pop. We also have um, Billy Joe, who's named after Billy Joe Armstrong. We've got Noodles and Dexter, which are from The Offspring. And they're all named after punk rockers. Super cute. And they're all boys or boars. That's what you call male guinea pigs is boars. Just like a male pig is called a boar. And a female guinea pig is actually called a sow. Just like a female pig is called a sow. Isn't that interesting?
they're not actually pigs, they're actually rodents in the rodent family. Isn't that interesting? Um, but those guys are very social, so we do have several of them, and we uh, proceed to clean up after them. I would venture to say that the guinea pigs are one of our highest maintenance <laughs> uh, type animal. Now, they're not super smelly. They actually don't really have a, a nasty smell or anything like that. He's like, I'm leaving after you said I was, I was gross. Uh, <laughs> I didn't say you were gross. I said you're high maintenance, and you're the highest maintenance one of all, but you're super worth it, Iggy, um, because you have the long hair and everything else but we take good care of you and we love you anyway, right? And you're wonderful. You're worth every last second of care. But these guys do require a lot of pickup. Um, guinea pigs are only sleeping for about four hours a day <laughs> total. And usually in small little increments or naps throughout their uh, existence. <laughs> so they really don't sleep very often at all. They're gonna be awake a lot. They're also grazers. They do graze on grass in the wild and other plants. And that's pretty much all they eat in the wild. They're herbivores, strict herbivores, not omnivores and not carnivores, right? Um, they are prey animals, but in the care of humans, they do best on a diet of hay, which is Timothy hay, and they're going to eat hay all the time, and they're going to poop all the time, and our boys really don't use a litter box so uh, very well, so they just kind of poop wherever, and they do pee wherever too, but we keep them on fleece with blankets underneath and with litter underneath that, so they don't really have a whole lot of contact with any of their mess except for their, their poop, which is like pellets. So no big deal. So we do clean up their blankets, clean up their pellet poop, uh, scoop any litter that we need to do, uh, need to clean and make sure everything's nice and clean for them. Uh, we give them more hay, of course, because they need their hay replenished each and every shift. And then um, we actually do um, uh, give them like enrichment toys and things like that. If we need to replace any of their enrichment, they get a lot of toys and things to do every single day. And we make sure they have water in their water bottles. These guys do have water bottles instead of water bowls because they tend to spill their water bowls all the time as a species goes. They're really not good with water bowls. <laughs> Rabbits on the other hand are good with water bowls and that's what we give Sandor. Uh, so Sandor is a little bit different. Oh, Iggy. Iggy decided he needed to go potty right now. That's part of being a zoo owner as well. So since Iggy decided to go potty, maybe that's what he was crying about. He's had all this time to himself and now's the time he says to go pee. Oh, Iggy, you're such a uh, rebel today. <laughs> well, that's just how it goes sometimes. <laughs> Blooper reel. Oh my goodness. Well, I guess that's my cue to let him rest. He's gonna get cleaned up and hang out down below. <laughs> you guys can laugh at me all you want. Hey, sometimes that happens. Um, birds probably use the restroom on you more than any other animal that you work with, but mammals sometimes do it too, and that's okay. That's typically why if I have a snake in uh, the mix, <laughs> I will start with the snake and not with the rodent, because if the rodent uses the restroom on you, then you're gonna smell like rodent for the snake, and that's not a good idea, because snakes eat rodents. If you don't know, snakes eat rodents. They're not friends. <laughs> so I don't wanna be smelling like a rodent too, too much, right, before holding the snake, anyway. So what was I saying? Well, the rabbit. So once the guinea pigs are taken care of, their hay is replenished, they're cleaned up, their enrichment looks good. They also have like cardboard boxes usually in there that they use for hides and chewing on. We make sure all of that looks great for them. Their fleece is nice and tightly organized and it was kind of like making a bed. <laughs> it's nice for them to walk around on. Guinea pigs need a lot of room. So we make sure everything is in place for them to enjoy their day and, uh, and their 20 hours of being awake. And then I move on to the rabbit after that. So the birds in the meantime are still eating, right? Um, and the rabbit uh, has a litter box as well. Rabbits are super easy to litter box train. I didn't really know that before having Sandor. Um, like I kind of knew that, but I was always like, oh, I'm sure, I'm sure it's gonna be a challenge, right? But it really wasn't. Um, Sandor was excellent at it. 
And I guess it's kind of normal for rabbits to be good at using a litter box. So he's got a litter box um, kind of in the back of his little section. And again, he's in a pen, but I don't keep it shut most of the time. But um, he does have a litter box back there. Let me make sure that that's nice and clean. And for those guys, their hay that they do eat actually goes on top of their litter box, which sounds weird, but that's how rabbits um, learn how to use a litter box. And that's actually what they would do in the wild is they would graze and use the restroom at the same time. You guys making fun of me for Iggy peeing on me? Oh my goodness. Uh, what fabulous hair Iggy has. Thank you. Even though he does uh, pee sometimes. Poor guy. He has no way to tell me in English that he has to use the potty. Um, but... Um, the rabbit has a litter box, so we make sure that's nice and clean. Um, we typically just dump it a couple times a week instead of just scooping because it's easier to just kind of replenish the hay um, and then take it out periodically because all of the, the mess <laughs> kind of goes down underneath where we have some litter, if that makes sense. I hope I'm making any sense to you guys right now. Um, and then I do, of course, check his water, make sure everything's good there. He has water. I usually uh, take the old water and dump it and replace it with new water, just like I do with the ferrets, right? Um, I don't necessarily disinfect it every single time, but I will wash it out every single time. And uh, what else? Rabbits are better with water bowls. So we do have a big water bowl for him that's attached to his uh, kind of little section. That way he can't turn it over, right? It's kind of like one of those um, dog kennel water bowls too, um, that you can put in your dog kennels that don't tip over. I recommend those too. A 10 out of 10 would recommend using it. <laughs> and um, what else? And then we make sure that his little area is nice and tidy. If he's been jumping in and out of his hay and getting hay everywhere, we'll kind of tidy up and we'll pick up any stray pellet poop because they do pellet poop as well, but he never urinates out of his litter box. unlike somebody I know. Um, uh, Sandor is really good about peeing in his litter box, but sometimes stray poops happen with rabbits and that's really normal and it's very dry and benign. So we'll just pick that up and put it in the litter box and we'll put it um, in some in some trash and take it out, right? <laughs> Whatever uh, makes sense. And uh, but that is actually a good way um, uh, a good way to teach your rabbits how to use the restroom. If they have a little accident, you just put the poop back in the litter box. So sometimes I do that too. It just depends on how much it is, if that makes any sense. <laughs> and then once the rabbit is good, then we'll go around and make sure, I typically will go around and check all the birds' waters. They always need their waters changed in the morning. And sometimes I'll do this before I move on to the other animals. I just forgot to mention it. But while the birds are eating their breakfast of veggies or chop, right, um, I'll change all their waters. So the doves have a bowl. And the doves also get seeds, not just the veggies. Oops. I'm paused on Instagram. Paused due to poor connection. Oh, I'm back. Let me know if I'm back. Um, and uh, the doves actually get seed as well. So once the doves are uh, finished eating their veggies and seed and um, all the birds are done eating their veggies and their waters have all been changed, uh, then they're pretty much done for the normal routine. And then um, as an add-on, typically a few times a week, we'll also, of course, clean the birds. But we don't clean them each and every day because that would take up way too much time. Um, but we do change their paper whenever that needs to be changed and we spot clean all the time. And then we do like a full clean a few times a week. If that makes sense. I hope it makes sense. And that's our typical routine for the bird and mammal room. So we've taken care of our, our bunny rabbit, our guinea pigs, our hedgehog, and our little birds, right? So would you guys like to meet a bird? I did bring um, one of our cockatiels, and he can be out here for the rest of the time while we talk about the last remaining section. And we're back, and Sunny's here today with us. This is one of our beautiful cockatiels, and he can just hang out for the rest of the duration of time. Um, I know we're kind of running out of time on Instagram, so I'll try to keep the rest of it brief. <laughs> but he, of course, is one of the cockatiels I was talking about that lives in the bird and mammal room. So our last 
but not least section is going to be our outside animal. So for our outside animals for most of the year, um, yes, indeed. You're oh, you're so excited. So sometimes when Sonny gets out of his um, uh, either his main enclosure or his travel enclosure, which he was just hanging out in the hallway in, he gets really excited. And when I kiss him, he gets super pumped, <laughs> which I think is adorable. That's just something that he has a little quirk with. Would you like a snack so you hang out with us? Here you go. Oh, it's okay. He's like surprise snack. Rawr. Is that a scary snack? He's already had all of his dinner, so he may not be that hungry. Are you hungry? I don't mind feeding you a snack for the people. Yeah, it's your favorite snack, which is millet. Millet is a good treat for small birds, but it's not part of their main diet. Like I said, they do get their um, their AM veggies in the morning. And uh, millet for treats sometimes, too. Oh my goodness, he looks a little tired. Maybe I woke him up just now. Would you like to sit on my shoulder? That would be fine. Can sit on my shoulder for the rest of the show. If you don't want to, you can get down. You have a choice, little boy. Here you go. He's a good bird, but sometimes he needs a little bit of snacks to be persuaded to, pers persuaded to do what I want him to do. With birds, positive reinforcement is the best way to go. Here you go, buddy. Can you turn around? There you go. But anyway, so after we're done with the bird and mammal room, we typically move on. Lastly, with our husbandry in the morning to our outside animals, which most of the year is going to include our iguana, Joanna, the iguana. It's going to include also our two tortoises, Shelton John and Frank Sinatra. And it's also going to include, of course, our ducks, which are our two Pekin ducks, Gansito and Lucas. And we also have um, three other ducks, which are wood ducks, which are Jazz, Indy, and Disco, the wood ducks. So all of those guys live outside. So when we go out there, we're going to turn on the water hose, first of all. We're going to go outside and usually the Peking ducks are ready to run around in the yard and Peking ducks cannot fly. So we can typically let them out just fine to be able to roam around for a little bit and get their breakfast. Their breakfast consists of their pellets and worms and usually greens as well. And so they'll get their breakfast in the morning and run around in the yard in the grass and usually playing in the mud or whatever they want to do. Peking ducks are really fun. And uh, then we'll typically put our two tortoises, Shelton and Frank, into the yard to graze on grass because tortoises are uh, herbivores, of course. So they like to graze on grass and our grass is not treated with chemicals or anything like that. So I don't recommend doing that if you have treated grass with chemicals or pesticides. You wanna make sure that um, your grass is very healthy before you feed it to your animals, of course. That probably goes without saying, but it's a good reminder, right, for all of us. Um, and they can get some sunshine, of course. They already have sunshine in their enclosure too. They have a great big giant pen that they all live in together, actually. Um, and then they can get some grazing time, more sunshine, more kind of direct sunshine. And Joanna usually is hungry in the morning when it's warm enough. If it's not too super warm that day or it's been rainy or cloudy, um, she usually won't want to eat. Um, so reptiles typically want to eat when it's warm and their bodies are feeling like digesting and all of that. So she doesn't always want a meal. Um, but when she does, we'll feed her her salad. Uh, iguanas are also herbivores. She's a green iguana. And uh, she gets a, a salad with mixed greens in it, nice healthy greens, sometimes tortoise pellets in it, and sometimes different veggies and things like that, and always supplemented with calcium and different vitamins and minerals. And then the tortoises get whatever the iguana leaves behind, additionally to their grass and weeds and whatever they're getting in the yard. So that's what we do with our reptiles out there. And then... Um, 
while all of that is happening is when we clean the rest of those animals I already listed. So the ducks make a big mess. So we have to hose everything down. We have to um, make sure they have clean water, of course. And ducks every day need somewhere to swim and enjoy water. So we give them a kiddie pool to swim in. And uh, we have to dump it every night. But in the morning is when we fill it. And that's when we, we give them their kiddie pool. And then once all that's done, the ducks can be put back the Pekin ducks. In the meanwhile, the uh, wood ducks actually get a lot of time to fly around inside their enclosure because the wood ducks are actually flighted and they're very small. So we don't let them out free roam in the yard because they could potentially fly off into a tree or something like that. We do actually plan to um, uh, train our wood ducks to do maybe flighted presentations someday. But right now we haven't been able to take them out for training because of COVID mostly uh, to take them to a facility or something like that, that we can borrow an enclosed facility. If you guys know of an enclosed facility where we can train some flighted birds, that would be so much fun. So let me know, maybe a big gymnasium or church or something like that. But that's in a long-term plan. Our wood ducks are pretty young still, so there's many years to come with them. But they get a lot of free roam time uh, during the time when I'm cleaning and things like that to just kind of fly around in their enclosure. And they get a new pool as well. And that's pretty much in a nutshell what we do uh, for that routine. And then once we're done, um, the Pekin ducks go back into their house. And uh, it's a great big enclosure that, that's like a walk-in enclosure, just so they're safe for the rest of the day when I'm not supervising them. Uh, the tortoises get put back as well, obviously. I forgot where... Sunny should be sitting for Instagram. Um, and uh, everybody's safe and sound. Everything's clean, hosed. Um, we have mats that they also sit in overnight. So um, they can lay on overnight, I should say. And we have to hose those as well. There's a lot that goes into it that I can't list today, I guess, because there's not enough time. But uh, that is the morning routine for those animals. So the outside is typically what we end with for whatever reason. But again, it's going to start with the reptile room then proceed to the ferrets, get them done real quick, then go over to our bird and mammal room and outside. And the whole routine is typically three or four hours. <laughs> and uh, for the AM shift, we can start either at 8 AM or 9 AM and for about three or four hours. And if there's projects or animal training in addition that we need to do, it's gonna take a little longer, right? That's just common sense. So some days are longer than others. And uh, like I said, I never really stop working either even when I'm not doing husbandry um, we're going to be doing animal programs or some sort of sales <laughs> uh, some sort of marketing some sort of uh, maybe this I'm doing a live stream and things like that so after the live stream tonight I still have to do some husbandry as well some of the routine is still needed to be done so it just kind of depends and I didn't even talk about our p.m. routine how long have I been on Instagram I don't want to take too long maybe we'll save the p.m. routine for next week would you guys like that did you enjoy kind of learning what I do on a day-to-day -day basis part of what I do as well is preparing all the diets as well for our animals so for example with the um the vegetables that we prepare for the the citizens or the parrots every single day and for the doves too actually we have to chop those up and get them ready and we'll food prep about once a week maybe twice a week maybe less just depending on how long it's lasted oh sorry buddy <laughs> i mean to bump you that's just something that sunny does <laughs> he gets so pumped for kisses i know it sounds like he's a little bit upset or it looks like he's upset but he's not <laughs> that's his play behavior he's so silly he looks like a cockatoo I know it's been a while since you've been on the show. The Sunny's a cockatiel, and they're from Australia, by the way, and they're a type of parrot, just a tiny parrot. And they are uh, usually gray and white and um, have a yellow face and orange cheeks in the wild, just like he has orange cheeks on his face, but he's all yellow. So he's what we call a lutino. Lutino is kind of like um, the pastave color of prints. It's a special color that's only found in the care of humans and bred specially 
to look like this. So you'll only see this in human care, not in the wild. It's actually also a form of albino. He also used the restroom too for everybody too. Everybody's going potty on the camera, on the live stream today. Let's make sure you guys don't have any questions that I haven't answered. So that is kind of our day-to-day -day for our morning routine. Uh, we do have a PM shift as well, but I realized how long it's it's taken to uh, tell you guys all of our AM routine. So I think this would be good content to have maybe next week to talk to you guys about our PM routine with all of our animals. So I've just covered the AM part. That's a lot of work, right? And again, um, when you own your own business, there's also a lot of things to consider as well. Even just to start a mobile zoo, um, you have to have special licensing, you have to have permissions, <laughs> you have to have, um, you know, all sorts of things in place before you can even do anything. Um, but a lot of people do have a lot of animals at home. He loves to fly to my hand to hand because that's what he's trained for. Um, and they still have to do all the husbandry for their animals. But we also do presentations with our animals, as you can see. And we also do uh, training as well. So we're not just uh, a private collection, even though we have a private collection. We also own our own uh, animal education business too. So we have to consider that as well. And uh, we're still learning all the time since we're a new business and new company. And uh it's a lot to do every single day, but I thought you guys would love a little insight on what we do kind of on a day-to-day -day basis. If you miss the program and you're just joining us, hello, it's me, Amanda, with Once in a Wild, and this is Once in a Wild Wednesday, and we are coming in at you like every single Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. Central Time, and it's about 7.30 already, so I think I'm going to go ahead and uh, start concluding our program, if you don't mind. It's been a lot of fun. And I hope you guys have really enjoyed learning about all of our AM routines with our animal. And I've really just skimmed the surface <laughs> on what we do on a day-to-day -day basis. <laughs> I can tell when he shakes his little head like that that he's ready to play. <laughs> Such a silly happy boy. My little sunshine, Sunny. Um, but uh, I hope you guys have enjoyed hearing a little bit about our husbandry. I know a little. some of it was kind of gross. Some of it was kind of weird. But if you're not an animal care person and you don't know these things, it might be new to you. But if you're familiar with animal care, then you already know <laughs> what goes into it. And I hope it wasn't too weird for you guys. Let me see if you guys have any questions on uh, Facebook or YouTube. Oh, you like our names? Ali says, I must say the names you give these guys are fantastic. Thank you. So this is Sunflower. He's my little sunshine and Sunny is what I call him. <laughs> but he's really named Sunflower. Um, his uh, counterpart is Dandelion. And Dandelion, we go, she goes by Dandy. She's a sweetie pie too. But Sunny is probably my, my most reliable bird. And I figured I'd keep it simple tonight. Are you just looking at yourself? I don't know what he's looking at. <laughs> mm -hmm. He doesn't want to do it anymore. Look at him. He's so cute. He's the cutest. Um, yeah. So thank you for saying that you like the names. And you're welcome. Ellie says, thank you for the show. See you next time. I would love to see y'all next week. We're here each and every Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. Central Standard Time. I'm going to go through Instagram to make sure you guys didn't have any questions or comments. <laughs> you love Iggy, hearts, livers, sweetbreads. Oh, my. Yeah, that was for the ferrets since our ferrets are obligate carnivores and they are raw fed ferrets or holistic ferrets. Uh, that's another word for that. Um, They're raw fed. So we feed them all kinds of organs, don't we, Ricky? 
So Ricky's asking about the chlorhexidine. So is chlorhexidine like Listerine? Um, yes and no. Listerine is much more harsh for animals and humans. And chlorhexidine is actually safe enough for you to drink and put in your mouth. Chlorhexidine is designed for uh, basically mouth sores and mouth uh, injuries. Uh, it's, a, it's a dental product. Um, it's how it started. And it's an animal product too for humans and animals, honestly. And you can, um, even without diluting chlorhexidine, which you can get on Amazon, by the way, we get it by the gallon um, and we just dilute it for spraying and disinfecting. It is so mild that you can actually um, not dilute it and put it on animals' wounds. You can put it in your mouth. <laughs> it is super duper safe. So it is very, very safe, a lot safer than Listerine. I don't recommend using Listerine for most animals. We sometimes do for a deep disinfecting of like the ferret cage or something like that. But never, ever, ever do we spray Listerine around our birds because birds have very sensitive uh, <laughs> breathing systems. And if they breathe in chemicals like that, what are you looking at? Everything's okay. He's looking awfully suspicious of something. And when birds are around harsh chemicals like that, they can become very, very sick and even pass away. So we, rec we recommend always um, doing your research before using chemicals around birds or even small children or um, things like amphibians or fish and invertebrates too. So we do use chlorhexidine for the most part around um, most of our animals. And we just don't spray chlorhexidine or use chlorhexidine directly on our fish amphibians or invertebrates. But you can actually use chlorhexidine around birds and even on wounds of birds too, if you have an injury. We of course don't recommend vetting yourself <laughs> at home. We recommend uh, using your veterinarian's uh, uh, instructions. <laughs> uh, don't, don't be your own veterinarian, but it is very, very safe. So that is a big difference between Listerine and chlorhexidine. That's a good question. The stickers are cool. Thank you very much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, pastave. Okay, I just want to make sure I cover all your questions that we had earlier. Do you want to sit on my shoulder? Would that be okay? You feel more comfortable on my hand. For some reason, our camera over here on YouTube and Facebook is not focusing as well as it usually does. Maybe I need more light. Hello. Okay. Cute. Thank you, sunflower. Yes, sunflower. <laughs> uh, Bella Bear Go says, yes, I love vegetables and love to learn about what my animal friends eat. I'm so glad to see you, Bella Bear. It's really, really nice to see you. It's been a while. We'd love to have you back on the show for another story time. Would you like that? I think that would be a lot of fun. I can't seem to get focused over here on the other camera. But I think Instagram worked out really well today. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, if you would like to see me um, post again on Instagram, I think I'm going to go ahead and keep doing that on Instagram next week too. And we'll start talking about, um, or we will talk about our PM routine with our animals, which today we talked about the AM routine. My plan was to talk about both, but I guess we just ran out of time. I forgot how long it would take to talk about all this stuff. And sometimes I just talk forever. Oh my goodness. It's so bright over here. You look like a white bird. Wiper, wiper. You're okay, I promise. He's, he's, something's gotten spooked. So these animals are prey animals, if you don't know. Uh, parrots in general, they oftentimes get a little bit nervous. Um, he's been in here many times. I don't know what's spooking him today, but he's looking around like something's scaring him. Um, nobody will get you, I promise. You're the only one out right now. Um, but uh, they are prey. So that is kind of their natural state of being is just kind of being wary. He's usually very brave. Okay, you guys, it's been wonderful to see everybody. I hope to see you next week, um, next Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. Central Standard Time. We are here in San Antonio, Texas. If you would like to tip or donate to our zoo, we do have our Venmo, our Cash App, and our PayPal as well. And at onceinawhile.com, you can visit our um, 
what is it, Amazon wish list. <laughs> and all those um, are in the description box down below on YouTube and Facebook. And I believe you can find all that on, on onceinawhile.com as well. Very, very easy to donate. And uh, if you would like to do that, we greatly appreciate it. Or if you would like to book your own animal encounter, whether it be virtual or in person, we would love to hear from you as well and get that schedule for you. As soon as you have a date in mind, please let me know right away because we are filling up our calendar all the time. And so we do wanna go ahead and get you the date that you want, right Sunny? Sunny is acting very strange. Okay, baby boy, you ready to go? He's ready to go to bed, I think. Well, it's been wonderful and we will see you guys next time. Hmm, once I get to the song, we'll see you guys next time. We are not the